This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Hi, how you doing everybody? Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. I'm your host, Chris Slifka. Before we get into today's guest, I want to do a few announcements for the show. First off, we're going to be at Eastport Marina for the tournament, PNF Open Tournament, April 2nd and 3rd. So I'm definitely going to be there for that one. I know there's a bunch of show guests that are going to be there for that one. And then also we have the fantasy fishing that has got started up. Uh, you can sign up on paddleandfin.com slash fantasy. And I just signed up. I need to get my team in for this for this week so I could get my points up. But uh, we have a special guest from, from Ohio. His name is Kyler Brownham. We're going to bring him in. How you doing, Kyler? Doing good. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, am I still staticky? No, no, still? you're all good. You're good. All right, all right. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I learned from you from Michael Grimsley, which is a guy I fished with last year on the PNF uh, Trail Series. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm actually from Kentucky, uh, Central Kentucky. I live here in Louisville. Uh, but, man, I've been – I've been on the, the kayak tournament trail for just fishing different trails for a little over six years. I've uh, learned a lot. Uh, just, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I've got big bass dreams and I just, oh, yeah. uh, I just want to share it. 
that's I don't know what else to say. Yeah, man. I mean, we're all pretty much in the same boat. Is there? Do you do any of the national events or? Yeah, uh, so I try to do as many of the Hobie events um, as I can, and then it looks like I'm probably going to fish a couple of the All American Kayak Series. Yeah, that's um, something I'm looking into too. Yeah, Just, looks like they got a really good schedule going on, so I'm really interested. Uh, yeah, especially for Northern English, man. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so um, my Mike, uh. Grimsley told me was that you were you guys were talking about uh, the mindset and obviously that's what the podcast is about. Um, do you want to go a little bit into that about what your thoughts on on fishing mindset? I know mine is is like sometimes it's keep it simple. Some you know sometimes you can't. Yeah, and uh, I just try to always for me just not get spun out. You know, even yeah, in the absolutely. bad days. Absolutely, man. I, I got to say, like, first off, I want to preface this with I've only started really cashing checks this past year and maybe a couple of the year before in the six to seven years that I've been doing this. So, like, the the win to loss ratio is insane um, for, for any angler out there. And I, I think that that could be daunting and frustrating for a lot of people uh, who want to try to get into this industry and try to uh, – try to fish big tournaments, you know, especially the Hobie series with it, with the payouts that they're doing and all that stuff. It, it, it just can get really daunting and very frustrating when you don't do good. And I'm just of that mindset that, you know, I, I try not to let the uncontrollable control my outcome. And so there's no reason to be upset on things that I have no control over. And so that really takes away a lot of, a lot of my frustrations throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, I know there was a seminar by Gerald Swindle a couple of years ago. I mean, you can look it up. I think it's on Bass University where he says, mm-hmm. this is the most losingest sport you'll ever play. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it really, like, he's never won an elite series, a classic, but he's two-time angler of the year. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's won some of the, one of the anglers has won the most money. Uh, you know, in fishing without winning an event. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's him, and, and checks. him and, and, and dollar bill lower <laughs> up until last year on Pickwick. Yeah. You know, I just think that's, that's crazy. You know, you just win, you can win so much money in, in, in tournaments and not even win an event. And I think kayak fishing, you're definitely seeing that now because you have a lot of anglers who are consistently in the top, you know, top 10 in a lot of the events. But if you look at their lifetime, you know, they've been fishing forever. Yeah. And so it's just now kind of catching up to where they're, they've figured out that kind of balance um, on the, on the scale to be able to cash checks and, and make top tens and make angler of the years and, yeah, I agree with that. And then the sports also come a long way to where for some of the top people, it's financially, you know, reliable for them with sponsorships, of course. I mean, not e- the pros can't even do it without sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, I mean, for for me, like I'm I'm not I don't want to say I'm just getting into kayak fishing, but I'm just getting into the national scene. And just getting into getting out of the local 
clubs. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, going into it this year, because I was supposed to fish it last year, unfortunately, I did get let go from a previous job. Mm-hmm. But that's in the past. Yeah. It's always <laughs> tough, know? man. Yeah. So, so this year, I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, you know, what, what are some tips that you could give me along with other people to keep your cool even when you can't be at that? You know, it's not your local lake. And for a lot of people, that's like, ah, uh, I, I need to be out there fishing two weeks prior or I'm not going to have good luck with it. Man, I, I, I tell you, I'll start off with the, the pre-fishing. Um, I only allow myself Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the Hobie events. And, and usually that Friday's more so of a, I don't really take any tackle with me. I'm literally just scanning for last minute spots in case I need, I need something that, that is a, I need a backup area. Yeah. Um, so I really only put two full days of fishing in. Um, and even then I kind of try to limit what I, I take with me on the boat on purpose. I don't want to overthink it. Uh, I know that you, you said just a minute ago, you like to keep things simple and that's really kind of the key there, you know, with these big events, um, the, the Hobie events can be really daunting. Um, especially now that they have three events that are completely sold out. So you're going to have 200 anglers. Yeah. And it's, it's outside of like maybe the KBF national championship. You don't really have any other trails that have those kinds of numbers. Um, in, in my opinion. So when you're going up against that and you have people kind of around you fishing the same areas, you, you just got to think like, I might be able to find something, just some subtle thing that no one else, no one else has. And that could be the key. I, and I'll, I'll go back to uh, two years ago, Kentucky Lake, uh, the Hobie event there. Uh, I heard from a guy who was fishing the BFL series. He's like, man, you need to go fish the West side, throw a big top water. You'll smash them. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't really have anything going on. So I took his advice. Um, and I went over there. Well, the BFL was running the same time as the Hobie event. And so all of those boats got to the spots before I could even get out of the cove. Um, and so like I caught one 13 and a half fish that day one. And I was red hot. I was, I was real mad at my, it was mainly at myself because I let someone tell me what I should do. Yeah. You let doc talk get to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I let the doc talk get to me and that's really kind of, you take with a big pinch of salt, you know? Yeah. Um, but day two, like I, I reset myself. I, I didn't, I didn't have a certain game plan. I just went to a random spot. I was like, I'm going to go here on the map. Um, if I don't fit, if I don't catch anything by one o'clock, I'll probably pack up and leave. And I ended up catching 87 and three quarter inches that day too. Nice. Um, with a 21 inch kicker. So like it really kind of shifted that tournament for me and my mindset on that. Yeah. I mean, I know last year there was a couple of times where, People, they weren't necessarily trying to persuade me to go to a certain area, mm-hmm. but they kind of like, well, this is where I fished the last time I was here. It was really good, and like, but it wasn't my style of fishing. Yeah, you know, everyone like the guy who told me that 
he he's he's better at like the deep water fishing, you know, fishing that twenty foot range. I'm mm-hmm. a shallow water guy. If I can find him shallow, that's what I want. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I try to venture out and learn the deeper stuff, but it's not my strong suit. You know, so if you if you have like um if, <clears throat> if it's not your strong suit, I think even in a tournament, like if it's something that you want to try, go out to think about that beforehand and try to go out to the, the area for maybe two hours max. If you find an area that may have fish on your graph and if it's a deep area, like you're fishing a Kentucky ledge or something like that, and you're not comfortable with it. Give it an hour and a half to two hours. If you don't catch anything, then you're like, don't get frustrated at yourself because you didn't catch anything. Yeah. Just be like, Hey, like I'm going to stick to what I know. I'm going to keep it simple. I know I can catch fish that way and, and just go that route. Uh, a lot of people I, I found that go out there and they they force a bite. They force, you know, an A-rig bite or they try to do the big swim baits out there or whatever, and it just doesn't work out for them. And it's a really big gamble. Yeah, well, that's what it turns into because I know I've I've heard, I haven't seen a lot of people trying to use the, you know, the, the live sonar now, whatever mm-hmm. brand it may be. You know, and they get caught up in that versus actually just fishing how they fished before we we ever had this technology. Yeah. And not, you know, that's one of the reasons why I haven't even looked at investing in it yet. Cause me neither. <laughs> number one, I, I fish shallow, like I said. And uh, number two, I feel like I would get too caught up in trying to find fish on the live scope. And half the tournament day will be gone, and I won't have anything to show for it. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think Brandon Polinick, he when he first got his live stuff, he said it was a big adjustment because he caught himself trying to rely on it a little too much. And he's like, you really got to find that sweet spot of you may see fishing on right in front of you, but that doesn't mean that they're going to bite. You've got to make that game time decision of do I stay and try to force it or do I just move on to another area? You know, if you have another area, I mean, it's different for bass boat, uh, like elite, the elite series, because you know, they've got a two fifty Yamaha on the back and then go 80 miles an hour. We can't, we can go maybe four. Yeah. Especially with the Hobie events. Cause they're not, uh, you can't have a motor on them. Right. So you can, I mean, kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, what's your kind of um, strategy? Once you know you're, all right, I'm going to this tournament, what's kind of like your strategy to make sure by the time tournament day one hits, I'm ready to go. I know in my mind what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like <clears throat> I'll use I'll use a – I definitely try to look at maps and I'll do Google maps. I'll do all of the, the map work, you know, three weeks before I even leave all the way up until, you know, a couple of days before I leave, I'm looking at maps. I'm trying to eliminate water. Um, once I get there, I eliminate even more water based on the, those little smaller areas. And then I kind of just fine tune what they might be biting on. Yeah. And um, I always, I always like to do, cause I carry, I carry about 11 rods with me on tournament day. I carry a lot of stuff with me because I want to be ready for any kind of scenario. If mm-hmm. I find some pea gravel or something, I want to throw a swing, 
a swing head, you know, on it or, or something like that, or a Texas rig. I always try to find my comforts in every type of structure cover scenario that I might find myself in. Um, but what I, what I tend to do, and I actually kind of learned this from AJ uh, watching him is he will put a rod completely away before he picks out another rod. Instead of just setting it down right on your deck, he will put that rod away because then that kind of forces you to fish with the, the, the rod and reel or technique that you have in your hand rather than picking one up every five minutes trying to figure out what works on tournament day. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, 11 rods, though. Yeah, dude, I, I, double, <laughs> up in, on, I double up in the Hobie. I'm not even going to lie. Is that – well, you said it's more – you, so you have stuff rigged up just, as like uh, just in case. Yeah, so like I have, I have two rods dedicated to big swim baits. So like I have a, a St. Croix Victory rod that's throwing a big soft swim bait, and then I have a glide bait rod. Um, I have – two rods since i like to flip and pitch jigs and creature baits i'll have i'll have two rods with different jigs and i'll have two rods with different creature baits or maybe i'm flipping a worm versus a creature bait or whatever i just want to have those ready in case i figure something out midday and i don't have to sit there and take the time to rig something else up because that takes time yeah it does With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It does. I, I know I've went into quite a few situations where you know, I feel like something else might work, but just because I need to uh, cut, cut one bait off, put another one on, I just didn't make the move for it. Right. You know, there's been times like that for sure for me. Um, I'm simpler, a lot simpler. I carry four rods and limited. T- For me, I'm trying to, by time tournament day comes, like mm-hmm. I carry more stuff practice. By time tournament day comes, I w- kind of want to know exactly what I'm doing, exactly what baits I should be using. And if that doesn't work, this is the bait that might be good for that scenario type deal. Right. No, that, that totally makes sense. And that works for a lot of, a lot of people. Everybody's different. And I think the biggest, the biggest (laughs) takeaway from this is just since we're two different types of anglers, like just find something that you're comfortable with, find a a middle ground of what you're comfortable with. Because like I use my swim, my swim baits. I don't even touch my swim baits until I have a limit. Once I have a limit, I'll pick up a big swim bait and I'll try (laughs) to find that kicker. 
That's very similar to like uh, Polonik. Yeah, you don't see him pick it up until he knows he has he has a bag. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I I, I look up to that guy a lot. Like he's got a yeah. there's a reason why he has five elite series wins. Oh yeah, he's so. definitely he's definitely someone to look up to. Yeah, I know. I I had a chance to meet him a while. Uh, Man, 2013? It's mm-hmm. been a long time. <laughs> but, yeah, I had a chance to meet him. He, and that's when he was, like, just getting started, just yeah. going to the Elite Series. You know, it's, it's really <laughs> funny. is I saw him at a Yamaha booth up in, up in Indiana two years ago, three years ago, sorry. And I look over, and I was just like, wow, he's a lot shorter than I expected. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, a lot of them seem that way though. Like I know uh, Ike, Ott, I yeah. got to meet them. And they're way shorter too. Swindle's the only one who's kind of like built bigger. Yeah, Swindle's Man. built. He's he's pretty tall. Uh, I know that John Cruz. He's he's pretty built. He works out. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of them when they brought Bass U down to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, I had a chance to meet a lot of them. That was a while ago. I've learned so much since then. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've honestly I've not met uh, a lot of the Elite Series. I was planning on going down to the uh, the Classic this year, but uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it down there. Yeah. Did you did you qualify for the the championship for the kayak side of it or? No, no, I actually didn't fish any of the bass um, the bass uh, events last year. Um, I really wanted to focus on the Hobie events, and then um, I had a job change in <laughs> November of 2020, and so I had very limited PTO. Yeah. Um, and so like there were just some events that I, I just couldn't I couldn't make it. Um, I couldn't fish all the stuff and that's, I guess I can expand on that a little bit. You know, things come up. Um, even though that you're not able to go to a tournament, like that's a perfect opportunity to go out and practice, like still take those days and go yeah. out and practice, refine your skills. So like, just don't take those days where it's like, well, since I can't fish that tournament, I'm not going to fish that weekend or something like that. It's definitely an opportunity out of out of something. I agree with that. I try to get out. I mean, not right now. I can't because we have like four inches of ice. But yeah, you know when it's when it's that time of year, I try to get out like every weekend. I try to get out like two times during the week. You know, time on the water. Nothing can beat time on the water. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying on another podcast that we do, um. When you can't get on the water, you know, always be learning. Whether you like to read the books, I know I got Kevin Van Dam's books, got a few other books, um, YouTube. There's, I mean, every pro angler has a YouTube channel now that you can learn from too. Absolutely. You know, there's so many ways to learn this game now that wasn't here even five, six years ago. Right. And, I tell you, there's there's one guy that I watch a lot, and that's uh, Oliver Nye. I don't know if uh, if you're familiar with him, but he does a yeah. lot of big bait stuff. Uh, that dude is a super nice guy and very very knowledgeable. 
uh, when it comes to big baits. Now he's fishing the opens. He fished the opens last year as much as he could. And that's one yeah. guy that I've, I'm keeping my eye on because if there's anybody that's going to break through with just big baits, it's going to be just him. Enjoy, it's going to be him. He has such a. I've seen him on Ike Live and heard him on Bass U. He um he really understands that game, but he also admits there's a time and place for him, and he knows he knows uh, when to use them. Versus, yeah. you know, I mean those that's the little times that I've heard from him on the shows. But yeah, I've heard, I heard he announced it last year that he was going to do the Bass U Open. I mean the Bass Opens. Mm-hmm. He was down in Florida, but I think he got on a wait list and he wasn't able to fish the uh was it the Kissimmee chain? The open. It, yeah. It might have it probably was. Yeah. I know because that's what they just got. Yeah, they just got done there. Right. There was a dude that brought in one a 28-pound bag on day one. See, I'm surprised at that because KBF was there week prior. Really? KBF was there a week prior because I know uh, the host, the guy who who does paddle, who owns Paddle and Finn, was down there fishing that event. And they said because the snow, I mean, not the snow, but the cold front, and it got down to like 20 degrees, the bite became really hard and really tough for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did hear about that. Um, you know, that's, I've not, I've actually, that's one state that I've not fished in before ever is florida so like the closest that i've ever been was down on uh lake seminole okay so florida like pure florida strain bass um and even then like i got a little taste of it because i did really well on day one and i was sitting on 24th and i only caught one bass on day two after that front went through so like when they shut down they shut down hard yeah no i've had experience they have uh a cooling pond reservoir like three hours from me up here with Florida strains. And uh just so happened, you know, I, I was in a Bass Nation boat tournament as a co-angler. <laughs> that weekend, they shut down the cooling part where, where it heated up the water. Water dropped 20 degrees. Those fish did not bite at all. That there, was, was crazy. there was one fish brought in that weekend. That is <laughs> nuts. It's bad luck, you know, because yeah. it was April already, the end of April already, so it should have been warmed up. But how how frustrated were you that day? I mean, I've caught. Well, there's a limit. There's a limit uh, of like 18 inches for that lake. You can't yeah. you can't put anything in the live well that's under 18 inches. So I was catching, you know, 14s, 15s quite regularly. But I couldn't, you know, you can't find that big fish there, especially when that water shuts down like that. Yeah. And so, but it was a good experience. We have a we have a lake down here in, in Kentucky, <laughs> uh, Cedar Creek Lake. They've got twenty inch min minimum keepers, and usually most of their tournaments and the bass boat tournaments are like they just bring in their big bass. They bring in one fish. Yeah. But that lake has some. I've regularly caught five and six pounders out of there. It's it's a monster lake. Yeah, I mean that's kind of why I kind of like the kayak scene though. It's because like you don't have to worry about as many regulations mm-hmm. as far as that goes. When you're especially when you're picking lakes out, you know, like we can go to Lake Fork on a regular basis where the bass boat guys 
they can't because they don't they don't allow them to keep the fish in the live well anymore. Yeah. Then I'll make for Yeah, I, I really like that. I like <laughs> the fact that they're in, in Kentucky Lake is doing that in the summer where you can't uh, because there was so many dead bass that came in during summer tournaments. It was so hot. Uh, they stopped doing as many tournaments, if any tournaments during the summer, like between, I think, I think it's between like June and August or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of lakes are going, going that way now. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to do. Obviously it's going to, it's going to hurt the bass boat world a little bit, but it's good for, <laughs> it's yeah. good for the, you know, for the, what is the population of the fish is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, especially when they're constantly, I mean, cause when they allow tournaments, you know, especially in the Southern States, you know, there's two, 300 boat tournaments almost every single weekend. Gunnersville, yeah, Chickamauga, yeah. they get hammered. Yeah. And I on a consistent basis, it's not like you just see the elite series guys go out there one time a year. No, it's, I, I, I've heard, man, that, it's every single weekend. There's some. There's a big tournament on those yeah. lakes. It's insane. It's insane how how what the numbers are pulled <laughs> on, on just those two lakes alone. Um, and it, it it I'm I'm not I'm not complaining by any means because I've gotten used to fishing close quarters against bass boats. I but I remember my first like real experience um, fishing Chickamauga. I was fishing some docks on the left-hand side and this boat just comes in right off plane to the next dock in front of me and starts fishing. And, and I was just kind of like, you know, what the, what the hell, you know? Um, but like after that, you know, I just, after talking to plenty of people about it, I just, there's nothing that you can do about it. I mean, people are going to do that regardless. And, and I think that there's no reason to be extremely frustrated at it. Now, if they go over your line or, if they, you know, cut your line or something like that, I think that happened to Siddiqui on on turn on on the Hobie event on day one. His bass boat came, ran over his line, and uh, cut his line. Like that's frustrating. There's nothing that like, there's nothing that you can't do or can do to not be frustrated. I mean, that just yeah, sucked. that's true. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, but from from a standpoint, you gotta kind of. It's hard because I would be mad too. But in order to still do good in that tournament, you got to kind of keep your cool. Because I know I've been out there where something happened that's not even water-related, and then you're basically taking yourself out of that event just mm-hmm. by being pissed off at something, you know? Yeah, that can... Because you're not focused on what you're supposed to be doing. You got you it, know? dude. That's It really, it really frustrates frustrates me when I get mad at myself, when I get pissed off and I'm like cussing and I'm yelling at somebody or internally, not actually yelling at them, yeah. you know, internally yelling at them or, or whatnot. My, my focus is completely off the tournament and the fish and my whole day is ruined. Yeah. I know. I, you just fishing around uh, like the regional events last year. Mm-hmm. There was a couple, there was a couple of those uh, incidents with, where, people were getting mad at each other and stuff and it's just you you've seen it like you'd hear something and then you go look at the leaderboards and those same people that were pissed off about things that were happening on the water the same people at the bottom of the leaderboards at most of the time 
you know, so that kind of just mentally stuck with me. I, I, I do have to say in regards to the leaderboard and I learned, I also <laughs> learned this from AJ McCorder because I, I, he used to run the bluegrass kayak anglers club here in Kentucky up until 2018. And then that's when, uh, that's when he took over the Hobie stuff. And I remember fishing against him and I was like, Hey man, like, have you checked the leaderboard? He goes, man, I don't even look at it. He goes, I won't look at it. He goes, I just want to, I want to focus on the fish. I'll submit my fish, but I won't look at the leaderboard at all. Yeah. That, just got, that got me thinking quite a bit about, you know, I'm trying to wonder who's on, who, who's on the leaderboard. Like it shouldn't matter until you feel like you have a solid limit. Yeah. I feel like I struggled with it last year, but I do mm-hmm. agree with what he's saying. You know, it's something that I need to learn. Yeah. That's something that I mastered. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. it takes of just putting putting your phone down and or just physically telling yourself, like, don't look at the leaderboard. Like, I don't only have three fish. I know that I'm not even in contention. Like, just put it down and continue, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone type of thing, you know. Yeah, I think, well, the good thing about the, I believe, you know, the Bass Elite Series is, and having those boat tournaments, you don't know anything until you come into weigh-in. Yeah. You know, and so you see a lot of these guys, they just go. I mean, they kind of know what it takes to win because you can easily find that out with research. Mm-hmm. But they're just head down fishing. They catch a fish, they get it in real quick, they throw it in the live well, right back to fishing. Right. It's not even a second thought to them versus us when we have to take the pictures and everything. Phones open, might as well check the leaderboard. At least yeah. for at least for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's definitely uh something to to think about. Um it's hard to not because you're already in the app, you're already there. It's hard exactly. to just press close and keep going. <laughs> I get that all like I really struggled with that my first like four years of of fishing local and national trails. You know, especially when you're just getting started, you know, mm-hmm. and uh you kinda wanna see what you did again, especially in the national scene. Like I'm I probably will struggle with it this year going into national events because I wanna know where I'm gonna be put up against against these guys who's been doing it for years and years and years on the national scene. Right. Yeah. Dude, there, there's been plenty of times when I've fished a national event and I'm like, I'm looking at the people that I see consistently up top 25, you know, your top 10, you know, Jody, the Jody Queens, the Christine Fishers, Jay Wallens, you know, all of them who are up there on a, you know, I look at them like, you know, crap, like I've got to go up against these people. I've got to fish against these people. And there's been times where, like, I've fished um, – I would fish an event, and I would actually finish higher. I would st- still be, like, midfield, but I, I finished higher than them. I'm like, oh. And I'll look at it. They have bad days <laughs> just like anybody else does. Yeah. You know, but now my only enemy really – or my only focus now should be the fish. Now that I've understood the fact that they have bad days too – and I shouldn't be thinking about them in, in, in a competitive sense. All I have to do is go out and fish. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because, like, everybody goes out and has bad days. Even the top of the top go out and have bad days. It's I think for us the mental part of things is 
when you're making the transition to the national scene, like those are our elite pros, you know. That's our elite series pros that we're going up against. And it's easier for us to, you know, you have to qualify for the elites on the best, you know, thing. For us, we just got to pay the $200, 250 yeah. or whatever it is. And now we're versing the best of the best, you know? Yeah. Well, so you know, would you like, let me ask you this. Would you like to see yeah. like something that is like an invitation only? Uh, elite series for kayak anglers. How do you think that would probably pay out? Play out. I think, I for me personally, I think we need it, just because these tournaments are just gonna get a uh, higher. You know the the you know the two hundred boats tournaments. I think it should be cut down to a hundred, and then the other hundred people. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> The other hundred people yeah. would be like uh like an open series, kind of like you know the BOS is an open series, right. but then have some on top of that. That is a true elite series where these people know they these are the eight events I have to be at. I have to pay ahead of time, mm-hmm. and I mean I think it would help with sponsorships too, to know that someone's committed to this. Yeah, I, I think I think that would definitely, <clears throat> I, I definitely see our the kayak community in the, in the series and, and it could happen to any kayak trail, but I think Hobie's really on, on par with, with doing an elite series type of, of trail because I'm looking at it as the same as how the Bassmaster elite series is ran where they have, you know, so many different events, you know, maybe it's eight events, six to eight events, and it's invitation only to these certain, um, <laughs> certain uh lakes um and then you have five or six um opens or whatever however many opens we have now and you have to qualify like i i 100 now i think i could see them going up to like a 250 um angler max on the opens um but I, i i i doubt that'll happen i think it could benefit but i doubt it would happen because then you could definitely do like a fifteen thousand dollar first place because you know right now it's like ten thousand five hundred so you can do a fifteen thousand and then if you win one then you know you have an invitation to fish the elites yeah i i agree with that one and i think that because once you once you come in like a lot of these people have committed you know, and they do have the sponsorship backings. I don't know what their contracts are, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're pretty much their life is going to all these different tournaments. But in order for a lot of them to make a living from what I could see, I don't know personally, and I don't know their life personally, mm-hmm. they're at every single trail event they can make, mm-hmm. whether it be Hobie, Bass, or KBF. Right. To where an elite series. You have these eight events, just like the Bass uh, Bassmasters, and you're guaranteed a check if you place top fifty. Yeah, you know, and but you're also guaranteed sponsorship money on top of that because you're committing to this. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think what you're going to have to see first is a, a step up in commitment of the sponsors of yeah. more cash deals because uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I have, I have 
great sponsors. I have great sponsors. Um, I don't have any cash deals with them yet. Now, granted, I'm not winning tournament after tournament after tournament or, you know, or anything like that. Um, and so where I'm at in my position, I think it's, it's rightfully placed where my contracts are. Yeah. Um, but I think that people who do commit to that, um, I think the the sponsors should step up, um, because it's going to be tough for someone like me who has a full-time job, like, you, you know, people who have full-time jobs and they spend their hard earned money to go fish the opens and all of that. And then they get an invitation to the elites. Well, you know, obviously the elites of the kayak world is going to be more, more entry fee based, like more expensive, more expensive travel, all of that. It's going to be hard for me to even accept that because I'm leaving a job, which I get paid really good money to do in order to fish these basically on a gamble. If I don't have sponsorship money. Yeah. Cause then you're, you're, you're gambling on the point of, I have to cash a check. Yeah. And I, and I have to cash a good check. Yeah. <laughs> like, because cashing, you know, $1,000 here, three grand there, ain't going to cut it. Sometimes you're spending that just on the tournament by the time you pay for food, gas, lodging, and everything. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it, we have, we're close, but we, we still have a far way to go. I, th- I think you it'll know? happen in the next five years. Yeah, I'm not saying two years. I'll say five to six years. We'll see something like that. Uh, what I will be curious to see is the people who think that they deserve a um, invitation and don't get one. How they handle that mentally? Yeah, you know. Yeah, because that be, would be frustrating. Yeah, it's going to be like I think like KBF is doing this year, where you do the trail series and the other one, and then they have that, it's called the pro series, but anybody could join it this year. Yeah. But next year it's going to depend on angle of the year points. Oh, okay. See, I didn't, I didn't read all into the KBF stuff. I haven't fished KBF in, in, I want to say like three years. Um, And it's just because I wanted to focus on uh, local trail and the Hobie stuff kind of took up all my time. And then I only had required PT acquired enough PTO for those yeah. events. Yeah, so. which I mean, I mean, a lot of people pick, you know, one series to fish and stick with that. I mean, because most of us are still working full time jobs, and most of us only have a certain amount of time off. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you can't just go out there and say I want to fish the national scene. And everyone's starting to pay you for it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're not – I feel like right now, though, uh, companies are really starting to look into it. They're not paying – you know, they're not jumping in, but they're looking into it and seeing the growth of it. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a a big (laughs) aspect that I think a lot of kayak anglers are probably not too knowledgeable on. Um, and I'm, I'm just now learning this year about a lot of stuff. And I learned it through, um, you know, some friends of mine who are able to have cash deals or, or have bigger sponsorships than I do or partner, partner brands, um, is for one, you got to have a professional resume and it's not necessarily like, 
oh, I've, I've won these many events. It's, it's all about social media and how you can sell a product because, you know, just because you're pro staff doesn't mean <laughs> jack crap. I mean, it's, you're yep, promotional, but you're yeah. selling that stuff. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, and so, like, that that was something that I learned that hit me hard in the face this 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 winter of trying to talk to potential sponsorships and, you know, maintaining current sponsorships. And, um, you know, I, I made a huge media kit with all kinds of analytics of, of social media through YouTube or um, Instagram or whatever you have or whatever you don't have, like, they want to see those numbers. That's what they care about. They don't. They don't care about. Yeah, especially you know, nowadays. They. I mean, the the tournament aspect is like secondhand to it, you know. And uh, I know a lot of people want the logo on the jersey, but sponsors really don't care too much about that anymore. No. You know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not looking too much to get you know twenty uh, percent from Wu Wu Tungsten or yeah or anything like that. Like I want to have a solid relationship with a company now. Yeah. It goes. Yeah. Especially one that you, you, you believe in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes a long way to have yeah. a relationship with companies, especially even when you're trying to get a new sponsor and you can say, well, I have this relationship with this company. This is what I do for them. Mm-hmm. I know this is kind of off the top of your mindset, but it's important. <laughs> yeah, it is important. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's it kind of aligns with the mindset because, like, you have to take that aspect in consideration whenever you want to take this seriously. Um, yeah. The mental game of this is is you're going to hear more no's than you will yeses, and you got to be able to handle that. You got to be able to negotiate. You've got to <laughs> be able to uh, just take it for what it is and be like, I've got to grind this year and show them. Hey, I'm worth the 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 investment. Even even if it's a five hundred dollar deal that you get that one year, you've got to make sure that you're worth that five hundred dollars that they're giving. Yeah, well, I, I try to keep in my mind to try to give my sponsors, you know, more than they give me. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you can do that, then you're most likely going to maintain a good relationship with them. And if, if it comes down to a business decision where they can't afford it anymore or they can't offer something anymore, at least you'll leave on good terms knowing that you did everything you can do. Absolutely. You know, you, you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head on that one. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's just, that's learned through experience also because a lot of people come into this say, you know, and I've been one of those people at 20 years old, you know, Dude, I was right there with you. I was all about the sponsorships at first. Like, give me the stickers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, why can't I get a sponsorship? I'm I'm fishing these tournaments, not realizing it's it's the promotional side. It's not really doesn't matter how many tournaments you fish. Yeah. It's working expos. It's a yep. it's a whole other whole other job <laughs> to the thing, you know. It, it it comes down to it. it. You know, it is a job. It's just a job that you love. Yeah, especially if you, you know, especially if you love going fishing. Yeah, a lot. I, of, I, I just got lucky. I just uh, landed a pretty good. I just got a new job with a company called Go Wild, which is an outdoor outdoors uh, commerce app, a nice. social commerce app. And so, like, to be able to have my professional career in the outdoors as well as fishing. Yeah, I've, I feel like that. I've really kind of hit a niche 
of uh, a lot of people don't get to experience. Yeah, I agree that. I mean, you definitely got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got real lucky. <laughs> A lot of people are working jobs that they really don't like just to go fishing on the weekend. And yeah, I know quite a know. few of them. But like going, you know, kind of going back to that, like I, th- I feel like it's a learning thing though too. You know, I'm coming from being at 16 now, all the way up into whatever age it is that it hits you, mm-hmm. what a sponsorship really is, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. A lot of so, these pros will tell you, you know, they, they, you know, the the higher up they get in their careers, the less they get to fish. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. coming from guys who make a living off of fishing tournaments. You know, that that's something that I think that needs there needs to be a good balance of. Um, <laughs> you know, you look at you look at people like you know Jacob Wheeler or Kevin Van Dam some of these top tier who's consistently winning, you know, you, and you look at the behind the scenes of how much work they put in just in the off season, getting their boat ready, you know, spending time with family, you know, it's all a balance game. Um, and you've got to be willing to sometimes make that sacrifice, um, you know, maybe miss a birth today or, you know, I, I can't, I can't do this this weekend i've got a tournament i can't hang out with my friends in town there's just things that you have to sacrifice sometimes and you hope that people understand um because you're you're going after something you're going after a dream i mean that's what we when i was a kid it was all about i wanted to be on the elite series i wanted to be kevin van dam or you know um, the nice thing is though now we have we can fulfill well kind of fulfill that dream through a kayak mm-hmm. without having to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. That's that's the thing I really love about kayak fishing. Yeah. You know? That was uh I think it was when when Brandon Polnick won the Angler of the Year, I think he made a <laughs> comment about, you know, how people were saying, you know, oh if I was if I had hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'd I'd fish professionally. And he goes, That's not the case. Like mm-hmm. you know, he who was it? Skeet Reese slept in a van with his wife yeah. for a couple of years. You know, he slept in the in his Toyota Tundra. I know. Last first... year, I, I slept in my Jeep all last year. <laughs> Dude, I've got a rooftop tent. I camp uh-huh. every event. Yeah, I don't. It's... I got a hotel one time last year, and it was the worst experience that I ever had. Yeah, I didn't. Even if I couldn't afford the hotel, I told people like, I can't. Uh... I can't see my kayak sitting out there and think that someone's gonna take it. Right? Yeah. I'd rather sleep in the sleep in my car. At least if they try something, I have a chance of chance of waking up and Yeah. And that and that's what I think you see a lot in kayak anglers is that we're you know that we have a love of the game. Oh yeah. Because we're sleeping in parking lots and, and you know uh, love station gas stations and all of that stuff, just just to fish a, an event that we paid two hundred fifty dollars to fish, and that's what we can afford. Like that's a love of the game. That has nothing to do with the money. Yeah, yeah, it's strictly that. I mean, especially with some of the stuff that you hear some of these guys go through, you know. Yeah, but it's it's definitely a love of it, and I mean, it's definitely commitment to, you know, on all aspects of fishing. 
and any series that you go down to go down to chase, it's not you know it's not uh let's go out on the weekend to go fishing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I have I have a lot of respect for for anybody who who chases who chases that dream of of of, of catching big fish in tournaments and and winning tournaments, you know every one of them out there. I don't I don't care who it is. Like I just have an utmost respect for them because yeah. it's hard, um, you know. And I'm out there doing it with them, and it's tough. Oh yeah, I know. There's stories where they said that they've seen guys who are technically top pros. Barely having money to eat at times. I, I've heard stories of that. Um, I know what Ike said. I, I was listening to a podcast he did. He said when he about the you know not being home. Mm-hmm. He said when he won the classic that year after he was home for like two weeks, and he was out doing all the promotional stuff and fishing the rest of the time. Yeah, like that's that's the ultimate sacrifice. It's tough, dude. Like it, it's insane, and you know there there's some families who will be understanding, and there's some that are not. And you've got to find yeah. that balance. You got to sit down and have that conversation, um, because you never know when it's going to happen. That's the beauty of it. You never know when you're going to just pop off and have either win a TOC or uh, or you know win win a big KBF event or an All American Kayak Series event with their with what they're doing. You you never know. You yeah. may make it big. You may get some big sponsorships, and that comes with big commitments. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be ready for it at any moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like you got to really know your your inner group, number one, and explain to them. Mm-hmm. And then you really got to kind of not worry about what other people are going to say. Yeah. It's <laughs> all noise, man. It's all noise. Yeah, because yeah. you'll get a lot of people that you thought were – either close to you or even family members who are, oh, it'll never happen. You know, you really got to ignore those people. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of people in my life who are like, you know, I I don't see you really making it in kayak fishing. I'm like, you just, you just wait. It's, it's popping off. It's like, it's in the works. Like I may not be a Kevin Van Dam, but you will best believe that I'm going to grind and I'm going to scratch and claw and get my way to where I want to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like we were saying earlier, Gerald Swindle. Yeah. Man, he's scratching claws every turn. He said, yeah, all I need is five bites, man. Like, I'll never forget when he said that. Like, he's like, I'm just going for five bites. If I win, I win. If I don't, I got my five bites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great mindset to have. Yeah. You go in, have five bites, and then once you get those five, if you have time, you upgrade. My God, I, I was rooting for him last year, man. When he when he was sitting in first place for a couple of days, and yeah, I, I always root for for Gerald Swindle. I'm always rooting for <laughs> uh, Polinick. And I tell you, there's one person um, on the elite that I think it's coming on the uh, elite series um, this year. Um, from Japan is Daisuke Aoki. That dude is a machine. He's won, I think, three AOIs in Japan. His, I think his second year in the Opens, he qualified for the Elites this year. Um, he's a he's a huge finesse fisherman. I, I, I'm rooting for him big time. Well, you see those guys come, come over here and always find a way to win. 
Mm-hmm. I think, like, even with um, uh, what's his name, the the Australian, uh, Carl Jockinson. Yeah, my his name forgot me. But like, a lot of them come here with nothing but to do this. Yeah, and you see them excel so well because that's all that's on their mind. I've I've mm-hmm. never seen at least publicly. And he, he, his social media is pretty good because he puts everything out regardless of the emotions or whatnot. But that dude works harder than anybody that I, I've ever seen. Yeah, a lot of them that come from different countries normally end up doing that because, like I said, they don't have the distractions that we have. Yeah, and that's that's you know, no diss. Family and everything behind, basically. Yeah, and that's no diss on any of the other elite yeah. series anglers or anybody. I just think that, like, <laughs> He's worked so hard. I mean, he was on the Elite Series once, and then he 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 didn't make it. He had to go back down to FLW, and then he started fishing the Opens, and he made it again. And he almost didn't make it last year. He had a couple of really good events at the end of the year, and he he kind of uh, he went by. He 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 made it through, and I was I was really really proud of that. Just watching that happen because I know how stressful that could possibly be i mean i can't imagine it physically but just looking at it i'm sure it's extremely stressful yeah i totally agree with that i mean well it's like i said half an hour it's been an hour (laughs) you know i mean we hit on definitely some key points man like stuff that i know i've never talked about before on here um but is there any closing things that you want to hit on um Man, I, honestly, I just think that if you're getting into the, the, the tournament scene, regardless if you're a kayak or a boat, like just keep your head down. Don't talk crap. Don't get mad. Don't get frustrated. Just work on yourself in silence, and and you'll see all of that hard work come to come to play. I, I promise you, you will. Like I'm not there yet. I can I can honestly say I've not won a big event. I've I've cashed a, a few checks. Um, but I'm still down there. I'm still in 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 the trenches and working hard. And if crap, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm still lazy, and I'm, I'm I try to work really hard, at yeah. least at bass fishing. So, I, I mean, I agree with that one. <laughs> that's that's similar to me. And um, yeah, I mean, so we'll leave it with that. But I do want to give you a chance to shout out sponsors. Yeah, man. Um, I'd like to the shout out. Well, this says Tiny Bass Dreams with Big <laughs> Bass Dreams. Uh, he came out with this uh, this uh, hoodie, and man, I just had to I had to have it. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, but I want to shout out to Strictly Sailing Kayak. Uh, they hook me up with with a new Hobie kayak every year. Hobie, um, I, I'm glad to have him as a sponsor. Uh, I've got a couple of new ones this year, Cortland Line, um, Defiant Fishing, um, Fishing Online. Um, yeah, you, dude, they're, they're just great sponsors. They're great people to work with. Um, Nichols Lures, uh, Brooks Wood, Woodward, the owner, is an absolutely stand-up guy. He'll hook you up with whatever you need. Um, just, yeah. I have, I have a great set of sponsors, and I could not thank them enough. Yep. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me today, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you having me on. It's it's no problem at all, man. 
I'm always looking for guests. I'm always looking for a different way to see through things. You taught me some things today, you know, especially going into this year. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And uh, other than that, I want to thank the people for listening and hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Thank you again. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.